It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. It is uh, Pushing the Limits. So glad you could join us uh, broadcasting everywhere, not just on uh, KSHP, but of course on the YouTube page, which is PTL Vegas. We are broadcasting on TikTok. We are broadcasting on Twitter. We are broadcasting everywhere. And I'm so glad that uh, all of you could join us on this Thursday. We have a very, very, very busy show today. Uh, another uh, mass shooting. This time it happened in a mall in Texas. Uh, again, another tragedy. So joining us uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour here, we're going to be speaking with uh, Texas House member, Texas Representative John Rosenthal, going to talk to us a little bit about uh, what Governor Abbott is doing when it comes to gun control, if anything, and uh, plenty of other issues, uh, of course, to get to. This train derailment story is getting more interesting by the hour, it seems, because a lot of Republicans are blaming the Joe Biden administration. But as it turns out, it's actually the Trump administration that is partially responsible for this train derailment. Uh, that's not an opinion. That's actual fact. So I'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. Very funny comedian going to be joining us um, uh, next hour. His name is Dale Calvin. Does an incredible Donald Trump impersonation. In fact, I want to play a little bit for you now. Uh, this guy, JL Calvin is so awesome. Uh, he's just absolutely hilarious. So, uh, he's going to, again, he's going to be joining us in hour number two. Here's a little taste of, uh, JL Calvin. And I know he's going to be doing a little bit of Donald Trump for us later on in the program, but here's what, uh, JL sounds like. Uh, he just put this clip up in regards to, uh, Nikki Haley yesterday. It's hilarious. Have a listen to this. I wake up this morning, ready to have a nice, McDonald's breakfast to kickstart my strong day. And I see news. I see not so nice news. Nikki Haley, who used to work for me, okay? She's now running for president in 2024. Very interesting. Because you know who else is running for president? Me. It's called me. And it's called disloyalty. Now, I accept this from White Boots DeSantis. He's practically got disloyal in his name. But for Nikki Haley to do this is very disappointing. It's very disappointing. Now, she might just be auditioning for vice president, and I hope if she does, she shows off a lot of leg. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Anyway, I have a feeling that Donald Trump, uh, I have a feeling that Donald Trump might be joining us in hour number two. So (laughs) the very funny J.L. Calvin will be joining us uh, a little bit later on in the program uh, as well. So we got a lot to get to. Former basketball coach, uh, I would assume he'll coach again, Chris Beard. We know he was fired at, from Texas. Uh, guess what? Those charges have been dropped. He's still not coaching anywhere. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program as well. All right, I want to get this out of the way right now. Don Lemon, CNN. So Nikki Haley uh, the other day announced her presidency, right? And she made some comments about, you know, we need a president that's in his or her prime. Um, I think it's probably a stupid choice of words. I think between the ages of 30 and 70 would probably be a good uh, age frame. But, you know, defining what is in your prime could be different. So Don Lemon is taking some flack from a lot of people on the right. Uh, Here's why. Don Lemon made a statement about women in their prime on their morning show this morning. Uh, Let me play the audio for you first, and then we'll comment on it after. Here it is. Oh, talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that 
I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you talk about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. Forties. Oh, I got another. I'm not saying decade. I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that. Well, you know, politicians aren't in their I think prime. You need, need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like childbearing, or are you talking about prime for being just say president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime according to Google Google or whatever it is. All right. So here's my opinions on this. First of all, full disclosure, Don Lemon. I'm not a Don Lemon fan. I do watch some CNN. I don't like Don Lemon. I don't think he's very talented and I think he says a lot of stupid things. With that being said, he's partially right with what he's saying. And I know some of these women that are doing the morning show with him are kind of going after him. What do you mean in your prime? All right. If we're talking about sports, and by the way, I'm going to include men in this conversation. So people don't say, oh, Brian, you're, you know, you're going after women. You're a chauvinist. I do get that from time to time when I speak facts. Like when I talk about the WNBA and WNBA players do not deserve more money, people will call me a chauvinist when all I'm stating is facts about the business. Let's talk about Nikki Haley and Don Lemon. Don Lemon apologized. I don't think you should have apologized for anything. Here's why. If you're going to talk about people in their prime, like from a sports perspective, men and women, they're in their prime in their 20s and early 30s. But we're talking about being a politician. Now, if you Google women, which I did, in their prime, if you're talking about sexually, usually they're in their prime in their 20s. If you're going to talk about physically as a whole, it would be 30s, mentally uh, 40s, and you could make the argument maybe early 50s. But Nikki Haley's in her early 50s. I wouldn't necessarily say she's in her prime. Listen, there are people in their 70s. That could be, uh, you know, that function great and could be a great president. Notice how I'm not saying women. I'm just saying people in general. I think that's where Don Lemon made the mistake. He's focusing on women. Let's just talk about people in their prime in general. I think most of us could agree. Uh, somebody is probably going to be more mentally or physically capable to be the president of the United States, which is a very difficult job in their 30s or 40s rather than somebody that's in their 50s. I don't think that is an irrational argument to make. I really don't. I think Don Lemon, you know, crossed the line there because you could make the argument you're early 50s mentally, you're still in your prime. But what about this? I'm going to speak to both Don Lemon and Nikki Haley. Instead of talking about being in your prime, let's just have age ranges. Let's just say 30 to 70. Why is it that you can't be 25 years old and and be the president of the United States? Well, a lot of people would say your brain needs to mature a little bit. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. Does that mean that everybody that's 28 years old couldn't have the mental fortitude to be president? No, but the age is 30. Why are there no age limits? Well, you know, could you be 85 and be the president? Yeah, you could. I don't think a lot of people would vote for you, but you could. So why not put the age limit between 30 to 70? And let's talk about stop talking about people being in their prime. Nikki Haley is no spring chicken. She's still fairly young, right? She's in her early 50s. But I wouldn't say Nikki Haley's in her prime. Does that mean she's not capable mentally or physically of being the president? No, I'm not saying that. It's a case-by-case basis, right? Why don't we have the age range 30 to 70? When you're 70 years old, you can't be a president. 
You can't be a senator. You can't be a congressperson. You can't even be a mayor. Does that mean that everybody that's 72 years old isn't capable? No. I also think there's 28-year-olds that are probably capable of being the president of the United States. But let's put an age range down there. Let's do that. Let's go 30 to 70. But uh, I think they're both wrong in a, in a sense. And yet they're both right in a sense. Nikki Haley makes a valid point. This includes Joe Biden. This includes Donald Trump. They're old. I don't want somebody in their mid to late 70s or early 80s to be the president of the United States, Republican or Democrat. I don't want that. Somebody said 35 to 65. I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Yes, I believe there should be term limits. But 30 to 70, I would say 70 would be the maximum. You could make the argument for 65. That's okay, too. I'm not talking Republican and Democrat. I'm agreeing with both Don Lemon and Nikki Haley. You see how I can do that? Now, I don't think Nikki Haley was very articulate, and I don't think Don Lemon was very articulate with what he said. But uh, the bottom line here is this. Nikki Haley made some valid points. Don Lemon has nothing to apologize about. Listen, I'm not a Don Lemon fan, but I don't think he said anything that, that would be offensive to anybody or chauvinistic. Don Lemon is right. If you look up even a woman, when are they in their prime? And, and that's a very broad statement, right? Are you talking about pregnancy? Are you talking about sex? Are you talking about mentally? So it's a broad statement. But for the most part, I would say a woman is probably more in her prime in her mid-30s when it comes to all that stuff than someone who's in their early 50s. So I think Nikki Haley should probably stick to age ranges and stop using the term in your prime. Don Lemon has nothing to apologize about, but it is interesting, isn't it, folks? Because a lot of the Republicans out there that are so up in arms about Don Lemon. Oh my God, I can't believe what Don Lemon said talking about women in their prime. Are the same people that were silenced when Donald Trump said, grab them by the P word. These are the same Republicans that had no problem with that. And they said, oh, it's just locker room talk. But Don Lemon on CNN makes this point about women in their prime. And all of a sudden, all these Republicans out there are calling Don Lemon the chauvinist. Again, let me be clear. Don Lemon had nothing to apologize about. I don't believe he made his point very, very well. I don't think Don Lemon is an extremely intelligent person. I don't like Don Lemon. I didn't like his show at night, and his show in the morning is not getting any ratings. There's a reason for that. I don't think he's very good. Okay, I don't like the morning show. I rarely ever watch it. The only reason why I heard about Don Lemon, because I saw this clip all over social media earlier today. So both can be right, Nikki Haley and Don Lemon. And both could have been more articulate in what they said. Yes, we need term limits. I don't want people in their 70s running for office. That includes Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Donald Trump. That's my opinion on that. Um, and like I said, I'm not a huge Don Lemon fan. Um, but in this situation, uh, I don't think Don Lemon was necessarily wrong. And um, I also uh, don't think Nikki Haley was essentially wrong, but Nikki Haley is not in her prime. Can we just stop that? Doesn't mean she's not smart. It doesn't mean she's not capable mentally or physically. That's not what I'm saying. But Nikki is someone, man or woman, when you're in your early 50s, you're not in your prime. I am 42 years old, and I can tell you I'm not the same man I was when I was 22. And I mean that across the board for everything, right? I'm a little bit more forgetful. Uh, testosterone levels are probably, without getting too specific, what they once were. Um, I've lost some hair. I, draw, I grow hair in all the wrong places now at the age of 42. I am not in my prime. Doesn't mean I'm not capable of doing some of the things I did when I was 20. But um, let's just be realistic here. Woman or man, when you're in your early 50s, 
Uh, you can't do everything you could have done when you're in your 20s. That's just uh, that's just simply what it is, right? So let's be fair about that. All right, I want to uh, touch on this real quickly before I get to uh, our next guest at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the guest is Texas House uh, Representative uh, John Rosenthal. We're going to talk about, God, the gun violence, what's going on in Texas last night at the strip mall and, and much else. Have you guys heard about this? If you live outside of the state of Nevada, maybe you didn't. Uh, there's a big sports book globally around the world, uh, but it's very prominent here in Las Vegas. They're called William Hill. Here's what happened. Halftime of the Super Bowl, they have a phone app where you can place bets on your phone. That entire phone app went down, and it just got back up yesterday. All of William Hill's sports book across Nevada were down for a couple days. So what does that mean? It means if you had a winning ticket on the Super Bowl, you couldn't cash your ticket for at least 48 hours. You want to talk about extremely problematic. They just got the William Hill app up yesterday, and now everything is back up and running. While the William Hill app was down in the state of Nevada, William Hill was still accepting bets in person. I have so many problems with this uh, on so many different fronts, starting with this. First of all, what is William Hill doing about it? Well, I'll tell you what William Hill is doing about it. They're giving every customer two free $50 bets. Now, I find that to be extremely insulting. What if you're a $500 better or a $1,000 better, hypothetically speaking? What's 50 bucks to you? That's insulting. I'm also on the other side not saying if you're a $5 better or a $10 better, you should have $1,000 in your account. Uh, that would be ridiculous. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is this. What William Hill should have done, because this is inexcusable, it's an embarrassment for the company and it is an embarrassment for, you know, for, for, for everything surrounding sports betting. What William Hill should have done is this. What they should have done is they should have, you know, check a customer's average bet and then give them two free bets. So if you're an average bet better of say $500, here you go. Here's two $500 bets we'll give you. Uh, I think that would have been very fair and that would have been honest. If you're a thousand dollar better, give you two free thousand dollar bets. If you're a $20 better, then give you two $20 bets. That's what William Hill should have done. That's number one. Number two, imagine if you're banking for Bank of America, you're, you know, you're a customer of Bank of America or you're a customer of Wells Fargo, whatever bank you have. And imagine you couldn't get access to your funds, not for hours, but for days or maybe even a week. Wouldn't you go to another uh, another bank? Wouldn't you say, that's it, I'm gone, I'm leaving? The bank would have to do something for you for your inconvenience, right? And if not, you'd probably go to another bank. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is irreparable. William Hill has hurt their reputation forever. This cannot happen. By the way, it certainly can happen on the biggest gambling sports betting day of the year, which is the Super Bowl. Keep in mind, this all happened at halftime. At halftime. And some people are saying, well, that would be too costly. Do you realize that William Hill is a billion-dollar business? Do you know how much money that William Hill makes even on an hourly basis, let alone a daily basis or a weekly basis? This is insulting what they have done. And by the way, they're also liable, and I'll explain why. Let me talk to you about the tourists. Imagine if you come to Las Vegas and you put, I don't know, a couple grand on the Super Bowl. Uh, you win your Super Bowl bet, and you know you spent most of your money. 
and but you won your Super Bowl bet and you have, you know, a couple grand left in your bank account and you assume you're going to be able to get that money either Sunday night or maybe Monday and you're from out of town. So you spend the rest of the money that's in your bank account, which is your right to do because you won a sports bet and you're expecting to collect on that sports bet. And William Hill tells you when you show up to the window, I'm sorry, our system's down. We're not going to pay you. We're not going to be able to pay you. Uh, we don't know when it's going to be back up and you have no money. Don't you think William Hill should be liable? Don't you think that that should happen? Don't you think that William Hill should be liable for the fact that that tourist didn't have any money because your system was down? Now, some people might say to themselves, hey, Brian, two free $50 bets, it's a great gesture, and they're doing the right thing. Not to somebody who's a $1,000 a game better. Now, to somebody that's a $20 parlay player, to somebody that has $100 in their account, they're going to be very happy with that, and I understand that. But I'm talking about the people that are sports bettors, that are $500 bettors, $1,000 bettors, and, and mark my words, William Hill has plenty of those bettors. That is not fair. It's just simply not. What about the people that were expecting thousands and thousands of dollars on a return uh, on their Super Bowl bets? What about the people that were going to bet at halftime of the Super Bowl or that were going to bet the second half? This affects everybody's bottom line, especially those that are big bettors, and it's wrong. I'm sorry, it's wrong. And somebody made a good point on social media. They said, you think any big bank would give a damn? Probably not. I'll agree with you. Probably not. But that's the problem that I am talking about right now. Big companies like William Hill or big banks, they really don't care about you. They only care about themselves. William Hill effed up big time. They pissed off a lot of people. And here's the thing about this story that that is the worst for me anyway. While the William Hill phone app was down, and people didn't have access to their money or their account when it comes to William Hill. A couple days after the Super Bowl, the sports books opened up and they were taking bets. Ladies and gentlemen, that is disrespectful to every customer out there. That was wrong. The books should not have been able to take bets until the phone app was up and working. That was wrong. And that was disrespectful. It was wrong. Now you could say to yourself, well, wait a second. If you're a tourist and, and, and you won your Super Bowl bet, you still should have kept money in your bank account in case of an emergency. And yes, that would have been the responsible thing to do. And you're right. But that doesn't make it any, any better with William Hill. I've talked to a couple people on social media that were tourists that were here in town that didn't have any money because they were expecting getting paid, uh, on the Super Bowl bets. Uh, and by the way, they didn't spend all their money until they knew they won their bet. So as a William Hill customer, if you placed a bet here, you placed multiple bets, and you were counting on that money to cash in after the Super Bowl, and they weren't able to give you that money, and you, you were counting on that money, don't you think that William Hill should be liable? Don't you think that William Hill should be liable for what you had to go through? I'm not even necessarily talking about Vegas locals. Now I'm talking about the tourists, right? This is disgusting. This is a joke. And this is an embarrassment to William Hill. I think we all could agree on that. This is an embarrassment. Here's what I say should happen as far as punishment is concerned. Now, the gaming control board here has already been investigating this situation. As I said, the, the books are up and running. Uh, the app uh, got up and running yesterday. Here's what I think should happen. Now, I've already talked to you about what I think William Hill should do for betters. Take their average bet over the course of the last six months or the last year, or even since they became a customer. Take their average bet, 
and then give them two of those free bets or even one of those free bets. If you're a $1,000 a game better, give you a $1,000 free bet. If you're a $20 game better, then give you $20. I've already discussed that, right? I believe that the Gaming Commission should suspend William Hill and put them on a probationary period. Suspend them for a week, two weeks, a month, whatever the case may be. Take money out of their, out of their pocketbook, so to speak, and suspend them and put them on a probationary period where if anything even close to this ever happens again, you are going to lose your gaming license in the state of Nevada. And by the way, if that did happen, William Hill would be just fine because they are all over the world globally. That's what I think the Gaming Commission should do. And I also think William Hill should take care of their customers a little bit better. All right, here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Looking forward to talking to this guy. He's state representative out of Texas, John Rosenthal. We have a lot to get to with him, uh, not just politics in Texas, but national politics as well. Uh, certainly, we're going to talk about this uh, El Paso uh, mall shooting. Boy, they've had their share in El Paso of tragedy, haven't they? We remember the Walmart shooting. How could we forget that? Um, so uh, John Rosenthal will be joining us next, and we'll be talking about that and, and, and plenty more. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with John Rosenthal right after this. You are listening to Push the Limits right here on KSA. Hey everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. It's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas's top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you, his relationships with the prosecutors and judges, and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes and more. 
They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. All right, welcome back. It is uh, Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. Very funny comedian and impersonator, J.L. Calvin, will be joining us at the top of the hour. Uh, Pretty spot-on Trump impersonator, so (laughs) that should be interesting. I mentioned to you guys uh, yesterday on the air that I got a call from Better O'Rourke the other day. It was really, uh, really touching and, and nice of him to talk to me about the loss of my sister. And, and he just recently lost his sister and uh, really appreciated talking to him. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to some people out of Texas, uh, certainly not Governor Abbott. That, that's for sure, as I think he is a complete disgrace to the uh, state of Texas. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I like talking politics with just about anybody. And, and uh, Texas certainly is no exception to that. And the guy joining us on the line right now uh, is Texas House member, Representative John Rosenthal, joining us right now on the line. John, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you. How are you doing? I, uh, I'm, I'm doing well, probably as well as I can be <clears throat> in, uh, in the, uh, the beginning of the Texas Legislative 88th session. Yes, yes, you're a busy man. I know that. Uh, so much to get to you, uh, Mr. Rosenthal, in a short period of time. So let's start here. Let's start with, again, I hate bringing these stories up, but another tragedy, right? We had uh, somebody killed and, and, and many were wounded uh, in a mall in El Paso yesterday. And I say to myself, it just keeps happening over and over and over again. What, what do you make of this, Mr. Rosenthal? Well, it's, it, it's a horrible situation. So first... Uh, uh, first for the people of El Paso who have already been traumatized by, by mass shootings. And it was just, um, a couple of years ago. It was, um, the Walmart. Was 2019. Yep. It was 2019. And that the Walmart is like, um, less than a block away from where this shooting happened. Mm. So it is the same community that has experienced this gun violence. And, uh, you know, I haven't been in politics for a long time. Um, uh, uh, your listeners probably have never heard of me. And, and certainly most people don't even know who their own state representatives are, much less somebody from across the country. But uh, I left, uh, I'm an oil and gas engineer, and I left my career to run for politics as a anti-Trumper. Um, I was, uh, um, I just thought that whole movement was vile and needed to be opposed, and in Texas in particular. And so I got active in 2018, and I my first legislative session was 2019 when this mm-hmm. was going on. And, mm. and you know, engineers are data-driven by nature, or, or we should be if we're good at our job. Mm-hmm. And, and here, the response to these tragedies is to successively loosen gun laws. Yeah. And, and remove loopholes. And now we have, you know, the whole permitless carry in this state has, has since the last session has contributed to a huge spike in gun violence. And it, it shouldn't be any surprise, but leadership doesn't seem to care about. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about governor Abbott, uh, on a national scale, not just a, a local scale, uh, in the state of Texas. You make a very good point. People like governor Abbott are making it 
easier for people to get their hands on guns, not harder. After the Uvalde shooting, there was literally no response. All I heard from people like Ted Cruz in Texas are, well, we need to harden our schools. So a a locked door is going to stop a madman from coming in and shooting it down. That made no sense. Let's arm all of our kindergarten teachers. I hear that not just from people in uh, Republicans in Texas, but across the country. They seem to think that more guns are the answer, Mr. Rosenthal, not less guns. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm with you. So clearly more guns leads to more gun violence. The response to the Uvalde shooting was in this legislature was to actually pass a law where you're allowed to store your weapons in your car in a campus parking lot. So you can literally keep an arsenal on campus, Mm. you know, and that's the Texas response to school shooting. You know, it's completely insane uh, to continue going down the same path, especially in the face of the data showing that the violence increases. The, the, and now with permitless carry, it has gone from a steady increase to a, to a pretty major incline, incline. I mean, a pretty major tick up in gun violence in the States since we removed all the safety training requirements and the permitting requirements. Uh, uh, and, and they're, there's sure to be more to come. I mean, and I don't understand the thinking. If if you're trying to run for president, which a lot of people think our governor is is you know embarking on this path for, hmm. um, I don't know how getting more of your residents killed uh, contributes to that. I don't either. I guess my next question would be how then? How is a guy like Governor Abbott win re-election? Uh, what has he done for the state of Texas and his constituents besides making it easier for people to get guns, trying to take away a woman's right to choose? Uh, is it just a, a situation where you just have too many Republicans in the state of Texas? How does somebody like Governor Abbott get reelected? By double digits on top of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually, I... I know that there are organizations that are doing deep dives into this. I want to see some data on, on what happened in this state. So in the rest of the country and probably in your state, uh, we saw a backlash to the rabid right wing sort of Republican movement. And a lot of these states had, um, you, you know, they're talking about a, a red tidal wave and it turned out to be a little trickle and actually Republicans lost a Senate seat and did just barely, barely able to win a majority in the Congress in the United States Congress. Uh, and the two outliers are Florida and Texas, where they did not lose any ground. They gained ground in these two states. Hmm. And interestingly enough, you know, you got these two governors who a lot of people are talking about in the in terms of the next um, presidential election being um, candidates or front runners or whatever. And I don't know what happened here. So when Beto O'Rourke uh, ran against Senator Ted Cruz, who's infamous for a number of things, including yeah. abandoning his state right. during the worst ice storm in the history of the state, you know, and flying off to Cancun, and we call him Cancun Cruz now. <laughs> uh, so Beto ran against that dude and came within, I think it was four points, uh, uh, four percentage points in that election. And of course, that's a statewide election, just like this one. Last election, he ran against uh, uh Craig Abbott for the governor's chair, but lost by more than 10 points. So someone's going to have to help me understand how it is that we've got so much population growth in this state that 
for the most part is progressive and Democrat. And yet yeah. we have lost ground in the statewide race, which was our best chance to fight back. Yeah. Uh, in this last election cycle. I, I want to ask you about this. And, you know, I get it. He's not a politician. He's a celebrity. But I've always been a fan of Matthew McConaughey. But I got to be honest with you. I was disappointed in him for this reason. I appreciate the fact that he goes to the White House. He speaks, uh, you know, to the Biden administration. But in his speech, besides, you know, speaking from the heart, I would I would imagine about the, the loss of life. I appreciate that. But he didn't speak to anything policy-wise. He didn't talk about Governor Abbott. And I understand he comes from a Republican family. But does he not understand that if you really want change, Abbott is not the answer? I mean, uh, you know, he, he gets out there and he makes this emotional speech. But in my opinion, it wasn't a, anything of substance as far as change. Um, you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, that's a valid assertion, definitely. Uh, I I appreciated his voice on the Uvalde massacre, but it did not seem to make a difference here in Texas. And and uh, although I think on Capitol Hill they did they did take a step forward on um, on gun safety legislation. You know, certainly there's there's a long way to go. But this conversation has to be a national conversation. Mm-hmm. So conservatives like to point to like gun violence in Chicago and they've got strong gun restrictions. So first it's a, it's a complete fallacy to say that that's that they're leading the country in gun violence when they've actually made great strides, Mm -hmm. but you can literally cross the street in Southern Chicago and you are in Gary, Indiana, which has some of the weakest gun laws in the country. Right. So, and those, I, I have been there like we, my family used to live in Illinois. And, and so if you have a, a dry county, let's say, like we used to have in Texas counties that um, would not sell alcohol. If you live next to the border, you can just go across the street, buy your contraband and just bring it back. Mm. So, and and then you're bringing it back into an unarmed population. Sure, sure. Right. So it yeah. has to be a national cover. Yep. If you're just joining us, he is uh, Texas uh, State Representative uh, John Rosenthal joining us on the line, of course, talking about terrible tragedy in, in El Paso, another shooting this time at a mall. And I was even otherwhere. It's only a block away from the Walmart shooting where so many lost their lives in that mass shooting. Um, you know, so many other national and local topics uh, to get to. Let's talk a little bit about this train derailment, uh, because I know you have an opinion on this, as do I, Mr. Rosenthal. It's amazing because, you know, people like Jim Jordan, they're 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 blaming Joe Biden for this train derailment. Yet uh, I don't think he spent much attention to this uh, because accusing Biden of it makes no sense. Uh, when President Obama, if you recall, tried to make new, more effective brakes mandatory after a bunch of derailments back in 2014, the lobbies fought it hard. They gutted it. And back in 2018, the Trump administration, Elaine Chao was the transportation secretary, rolled it back entirely. Are Republic, do all Republicans just have Alzheimer's or do they, I mean, or, or are they just lying? I mean, do they not understand that this is more a Trump administration responsibility than anything that Biden did? Well, um, it's a good, <laughs> I think what you're pointing at, you know, besides the the bold wrote hypocrisy of the whole situation is, um, is an unserious approach to policy. And so when you're all about performative politics and the, and the raw pursuit of power there, there is no right. There is no wrong. There's no um, ethics or morals. There is only the raw pursuit of power. Mm-hmm. And so you see politicians like, 
Kevin McCarthy and Nikki Haley now, right? Where they don't they don't have the um, they don't have the personal constitution to to uh, uh, make a moral stand on whatever your morals are. Say what you're about, and then stay with that. Like uh, like I, I actually would prefer to be unelected than to violate my personal morals because that's something i get to carry with me all the time Mm -hmm. to the grave nobody can ever take it away from me right i'm the only one that has exercise over that yes and so i just wish these folks would make their policy you know let's have the policy debate and then let the people decide that's the whole notion of of a representative democracy right right and and but that's not the world that we're living in with these folks um, we can say they're off in la la land or they're inundated by, by negative propaganda or right wing propaganda or whatever it is. I just say they're willing to say anything in the moment that they think will serve them. Right. And that does not help us move anything forward if we're not having substantive debate on policy positions. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rosenthal, I could, I could not agree with you more on that. You know, you mentioned decency, you mentioned morals, which are uh, to me, that's the main thing for me on how I vote, uh, Republican or Democrat. I want someone with decency and morals. You know, I, I look at a moment, uh, there were a lot of moments during the uh, State of the Union address of Joe Biden where we can point out a lack of morals or decency. But I'm going to talk about Mitt Romney for a moment because, you know, Mitt Romney, I don't always agree with him, and I'm sure you don't always agree with him on policy. But, you know, there's a moment where George Santos is, is a few feet away from him. And you know the moment I'm talking about where Mitt Romney basically says, uh, for, for lack of a better term, he basically says, get out of here or get to the back of the room. You don't belong here. And I say to myself, you know, that is decency right there because he's pointing out what's wrong. And I don't see any of the other Republicans publicly, at least, doing a lot of that, including McCarthy. But there's a moment where Mitt Romney did that and he puts politics aside. He says, listen, man, you're basically just not a good guy and you shouldn't be here. Um, why don't we see more of that? especially from the Republican Party today. And I would imagine, like me, you probably respect the fact that Mitt Romney did that. Uh, I do respect that he did it. <clears throat> you know, and, and once again, just like I was just saying, it's about having principles. So whether I agree with Mitt Romney or not, um, he he seems to be a decent human and he's principled. He has stood up for those principles. And I, I don't think he's ever been, you know, on the... <clears throat> On this cycle of on the Trump bag bandwagon, off the Trump bag bandwagon, you will see these folks flip flop with once again whatever they think will serve them politically, and uh, and when we we take that to the point where we're at right now in the legislative session in in Texas, where communities, fragile communities and communities at risk, are are being scapegoated and um, and put in real physical danger for the purpose of, you know, personal and political gain. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, you have your right to life folks who are really threatening the lives of women with their uh, personal bodily autonomy agency and healthcare, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, gay, lesbian, trend, LGBTQIA communities. Some of these folks want to, Sorry, there's dozens of bills that have already been filed along these lines. And they so like they're afraid of drag shows, but they're not afraid of guns in schools. Yep. Yep. 
I know, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, they we're, talk about we're critical. The point. Yep, yep. You're you're I so. I never right. heard of a child getting blown to bits in a by a drag queen. Yeah, I don't think it's ever happened. You are so right, and I talk about these issues all the time. And it's not just happening in Texas. Sadly, it's throughout this country where Republicans want to talk about critical race theory, which virtually doesn't exist. They want to talk about these drag shows and indoctrinating our kids. Isn't it interesting, Mister Rosenthal, that the same Republicans that claim that they don't trust these teachers because they're all indoctrinating our kids. But you know what? Let's give them all AR-15s. Don't exactly. you find that interesting? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, right? How do you yeah. talk to these people? You're a you're a state representative. You're a lifelong Democrat. You have to work with Republicans. Help me, because as a radio host, I'm losing patience. How do you talk to these people? You know, it's a good question. So first, you know, I... Um, I would have considered myself an independent in my earlier years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I became a a true Democrat during the Bush junior years where I felt like Republicans had just had gone off the rails. Uh, And it's funny because I thought they were crazy then. (laughs) Now we're, it's a whole different magnitude what's going on right now. So um, there's, there's two primary conversations that I have here in this building. So I'm sitting in the Capitol building in Austin. Um, and I divide in my mind that there's a difference between the principled conservatives who seem to be after good policy. And maybe we have disagreements about this, about how it works, but at least they honestly come after with, with genuine, what their beliefs are. And we can have policy debate and really, hash out issues. And then you have the folks who are um, performative, you know, doing this for, I don't know, for personal gain in some way or another, where the policy and the benefit of the, the people of Texas or, or the country for that matter is not their primary concern. It's, it's, it's their personal and professional gain and it's uh, power for their party. And so there's some I can have substantive debate and conversations with and, Mm -hmm. and some it's not worth the time. And I'm sure all of your listeners in their personal lives have your, um, some of the, some of my relatives are crazy ass right wingers and I cannot (laughs) talk politics with those folks. Yeah. And, And there's no point in trying to convince them. So what, what I do is focus on trying to circle, circle the wagons with the same people. Yeah. And uh, it starts at the ballot box, y'all. We have to win elections for the same voices to prevail. Yeah, uh, certainly agree with you. You mentioned abortion, which is, again, not just a big topic here in Texas, but here and, and, and throughout the country. Uh, Governor Abbott likes to call people like you and me, uh, you know, pro-abortion. I don't categorize it as that. I categorize it pro a woman's right to choose. They call themselves pro-life. I call themselves pro-anti-abortion because if you're truly pro-life, then wouldn't you come up with programs and not vote against programs like maternity leave, helping that child and that mother raise that child after the child is born, whether it be maternity leave or, you know, whether it could be food stamps, could be welfare, any government program, it seems to me, Mr. Rosenthal, that will financially help that mother raise that child Republicans time and time again across the country seem to vote against it. And I say to them, you're not pro-life. If you're going to be pro-life and you're anti-abortion, I'll listen to you if you're consistent. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so, 
So after the child is born, absolutely. Also prenatal care. Mm-hmm. If you're, and so we have um, one of my colleagues here, uh, uh, a woman from Dallas, who's an extraordinarily powerful human and a great speaker. Uh, she says, if you're pro-life, that needs to be from the womb to the tomb. And, and so you're taking care of those babies uh, uh, while, it, prenatal while women are pregnant, after birth with postmortem, and in this this state, I think we lead the country in postmortem deaths. Mm. So, if you're pro life, how come we're not looking at programs to improve the chances that a woman will stay alive after childbirth? You don't want that baby to have a mom, uh, uh, and then uh, of course during the early years, you know, the uh, poverty is a big problem, and and all the other things that challenged communities face. If you were truly pro-life, you would be looking at improving the lives of of your constituents. Mm -hmm. And so this whole anti-abortion thing, they claim to be anti-abortion. They say they're pro-life abortion care, sometimes life saving. So now we live in an environment in this state where even if a woman miscarries and the appropriate treatment is a DNC, the same procedure that could be could possibly be used for a physical abortion uh this is just to clear a miscarriage so the so the woman doesn't get um septic and die and they can't even perform that unless the woman is about to die and now you have the debate where you have to call a lawyer from the emergency room Mm. and say hey is she close enough to death that we can actually perform a life-saving procedure or do we have to wait until she actually goes into cardiac arrest You know, and these people who who create this environment claim to be pro-life. It's a joke. It's a joke, Mr. Rosenthal. And I I talk about it. Yep. And I talk about it hypocrisy all the time. And, you know, it's isn't it interesting that many of these Republicans that complain about Obamacare have no replacement plan. Donald Trump being one of them uh, bashing Obamacare, which, by the way, has saved millions of lives. And yet, well, uh, the, the package is coming. The new health care package is coming. It never came. You know, I, I think of a guy like Jim Jordan because I think he represents what most Republicans represent today, which is, for lack of a better term, let's bitch and moan about Democrats and liberals, right? But I have no solutions to any of the problems that I complain about. To me, that's a, a perfect example of when we talk about health care. Let's complain about Obamacare, but I don't have a replacement plan, right? So you're talking about Jim Jordan, isn't he the guy that was complicit in the uh, yep. in the sex scandal with with yep. young wrestlers at, yep. at Ohio State? I'm sorry, I got his name wrong. I call him Gymnasium Jordan, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't represent the majority of Republicans, but right now it's the loudest voices that are getting heard in their party uh, nationally and um, and in lots of state legislatures, and so. Right now, we see a dynamic playing out in the Texas state legislature where there's some, uh, the ones that I consider the thoughtful, you know, uh, conscientious conservatives, the real conservatives, Mm -hmm. are now in a, oops, sorry. That's okay. (laughs) So what happens here is we have energy-saving offices <clears throat> and 
And if the motion detector doesn't detect motion, then my lights turn off after a few minutes. <laughs> That's okay. No problem. Sorry about that. That's okay. It's getting romantic <laughs> now. That's all right. So what's, yeah, <laughs> right. So what's happening right now is um, we do have some very far right uh, uh, Republican reps really trying to turn this session into a circus outside of the red meat issues that we will be debating, you know, in, in the Texas legislature this session, they're really getting into this performative stuff during the preamble. And so I'm, I'm really worried about how that's going to go down in this session. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I would be worried as well on a <laughs> national front, uh, I, I want to ask you a question that might be a tough one for you to answer. You know, listen, I'm an independent and I lean to the left on certainly a lot of social issues and I don't agree with Republicans on like 98% of their platform today. But with that being said, I'm one of those people where I'm not, I don't really want I don't think I want Joe Biden to run again. I think a lot of Democrats agree with me. I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you want Joe Biden to run again? If yes, great. That's fine. And if not, who would you like to see run against a Ron DeSantis or a Donald Trump in 2024? You know, I'm um, I'm just going to I'm going to stay away from that one. I I. I haven't actually thought much about this. Uh, I think um, I know a lot of folks that are tired of having a choice between one octogenarian and another, mm-hmm. you know, is that our only choices for president? Right. Uh, uh, we had an election in 2016 where, where we had Hillary Clinton running against uh, Donald Trump. And, and no matter what your feelings are on either of them, they were arguably two of the most hated politicians in the United States of America. And those were our two choices for president. So um, I would, I would like to see strong new voices. I, I really, I love Hakeem Jeffries, you know, and I think uh, the new uh, younger leadership team in federal pro- politics is looking very promising to me. Um, I'm going to worry about, I'm going to worry about that federal election sure. when it, when it starts coming mm-hmm. around, you know, my, my first choice in, um, in 2020 was Elizabeth Warren, hmm. who, who I admired because she had, she had real well thought out policy yep. answers and a decent and, and lady. Even she's yep. older, mm-hmm. you know, she, um, clearly had thought about the issues and, and I appreciated that yep. kind of approach. Yeah. And she's a decent woman who I do believe does have empathy and cares about people and and uh, the good for the country. Uh, well, Mr. Rosenthal, let me end by saying this. Uh, I appreciate you reaching out to me the other day about the, the loss of my sister. It certainly means the world to me, you and Better O'Rourke. And, and I've had some Republicans that I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes that have reached out to me uh, and Democrats, you being one of them. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. I really do appreciate you. And I know we have a mutual friend, Sarah, that hooked us up. I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're doing out there, sir. And I uh, look forward to working with you, hopefully, and talking again in the future. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And uh, hopefully we can talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Thank you, Mr. Rosenthal. I appreciate you. Uh, that is uh, Texas House member, State Representative John Rosenthal joining us. And uh, not the easiest state to be a politician in if you're a Democrat. I will say that. And I do. He was one of the people that reached out to me, you know, who called me today. And I don't think she would mind if I if I mention this. Um, the former Republican chair here in Clark County, Amy Tarkanian, called me this morning. 
And uh, we had a really nice, long, like hour-long conversation about a lot of different topics. Um, Amy called me about getting kicked out of a Republican event the other day by Jesse Law, who's a complete coward and a moron, by the way. Um, and she called me and, and, and she basically said, I would have never done that to you. That's a disgrace. Uh, had some choice words about how they handled it with me. And we had a really nice conversation. And listen, I don't always agree with Amy Tarkanian when it comes to a lot of political issues, but it is possible to have a good, sensible conversation with somebody that you disagree with. And we had a really nice conversation this morning. She told me about some things that her husband's doing, Danny Tarkanian, and, and, and recently they've been calling out a lot of Republicans. And to be honest with you, I appreciate that. And I've gotten into it with Danny Tarkanian about a lot of different things, right? I don't hate the guy. And I think Amy Tarkanian is a very nice person. Don't always agree with her, but she has some decency because she didn't support Michelle Fiore just because Michelle Fiore is a Republican. She reported the Democrat because she believed the Democrat was a better human being. And I respect that about her. And we talked about the Republican Party, and I'll start here locally real quick before we go to break. Um, you know, I learned that at these local now Republican events, they don't allow the media to cover them. And I've learned that a big reason for that is because of the whole Michelle Fiore situation. Remember when Michelle Fiore was at a Republican event and she slut shamed Amy Tarkanian and there was video of it. Now, I don't even think that was a member of the media that videoed it, but they don't want anybody taking video. They don't want anybody recording anything and they'll kick you out as members of the media if you're covering one of these events and recording it with video or audio. Now, why would they do that for... uh for a party that claims that they want to be transparent. When I hear that the media isn't invited somewhere, it's because they have something to hide. And now these local Republican events put forth by Jesse Law, who is a coward, by the way, is not allowing members of the media to cover their local events. Well, guess what? If you have people that are decent human beings that are not going to embarrass your party, lie about the elections or slut shame people or threaten people or lie and say things about the election that are not true. If you don't have people like Scott Pressler speaking at your events or Michelle Fiore, and if you have decent people that are not liars, then you're not going to have to worry about somebody recording or videoing something that makes the Republican Party look bad. But see, somebody like Jesse Law doesn't think like that. Because Jesse Law wants people like Michelle Fiore speaking on his behalf, or Scott Pressler, you know, or Sigal Chata. Because these are the people that they associate themselves with, the Michael McDonald's of the world. Did he ever get his cell phone back from the FBI, I wonder, pleading the fifth? What is it that Donald Trump said? If you plead the fifth, you must be guilty. How many times did Michael McDonald, Michael Ronald McDonald, how many times did he plead the fifth? Well, I guess according to Donald Trump, his boy, he must be guilty. You stop people from covering your events. What a joke. What a joke the Republican Party is today. And what a joke the local Republicans are today. How could anybody defend that? No media allowed at any of your events. Is the Democratic Party doing that? Local Democrats here, are they kicking people out of their events because they're not a Democrat? Are they having people speak at their events that are felons or people that are liars and election deniers? Do they have those types of people speaking at their events? Last I checked, the answer is no. Jesse Law and the locals here that are running the Republican Party here in Clark County are pathetic, disgraceful, 
and an embarrassment to Republicans, an embarrassment to those citizens in Clark County, and an embarrassment to the country. That's what they are. They are an embarrassment. We can disagree with people and we could have good political debates and good political discourse, but Jesse Law is a clown. He is a clown. He should be juggling balls at Circus Circus. That's what he should be doing. Now I'm insulting the clowns at Circus Circus. I apologize. I, I love all of you. I apologize. I would never want to put you in that same category. My apologies. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do, I want to tell you guys about uh, my favorite gaming bar in town. It's Jackson's Bar and Grill located at Flamingo and Jones. Every Wednesday and Sunday, if you earn 200 points, you get $50 in free slot play. How can you beat that? The food is great. The bartenders are awesome. The staff is great. The gaming is great. I, ha- I mean, it's just it's just a fun place to go to. And uh, you'll see local celebrities rolling in and out all the time. Uh, not me. I don't consider myself a local celebrity. But Larry Johnson is. Anderson Hunt is. Coolio used to hang out there all the time. Uh, it's a fun place, man. Fun vibe. Please check him out and tell him I sent you. Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo, Flamingo and Jones. Tell him I sent you. I promise you'll have a great time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, God, I love this guy. He's so awesome. His stand-up comedy is great. His name is J.L. Calvin. And, uh, man, he does a pretty darn good Donald Trump impersonation as well. So I think you're going to enjoy that coming up next. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday in Vegas, baby. Thank you so much for joining us on a very bright, sunny day here. I'm wearing my short sleeve shirt. It's beautiful weather outside. You know, anyone who knows me knows I love going to comedy shows, right? Um, I love comedy shows. Uh, I love going to stand-up comedy, you know, and... Uh, Stand-up comics, uh, you know, especially with everything that's going on in the world today, it's good to uh, laugh, right? It's good to get some good laughs. Uh, I'm trying to remember, like, um, some of my favorite comics back in the day. Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton's always been uh, one of my favorite comics of all time. Uh, going back, uh, well, today, Ian Bagg's one of my favorites. Um, and, uh, you know, Steve Hofstetter comes on this show a lot. Brilliant comic love him paulie shore's been in studio before we had tj miller in studio a few months back the guy we have with us right now um i love his videos on social media he is an uh, impersonator extraordinaire i love it when he talks politics and uh, maybe we can even get into a little sports debate when it comes to lebron james the very funny jl calvin joining us right now jl thanks for being here my man how are you Uh uh-oh unmute it jl we can't hear you my friend you might be on mute. I don't know. Is he there? Uh oh. We don't hear him. Uh, is he? Is he? We can't mute com- uh, comics. JL, are you there? Yes, you. There you are. Can now you hear you're me there. now? And now I can hear you. There he is. <laughs> the, the, okay. The issue is I have you on speakerphone in a public cafeteria because the headset I have doesn't allow me to listen and speak through my phone. <laughs> You're, so if this, if this sounds all right and you're okay with it, I can do it like this, you, but you sound this is com- obviously not what I intended. That's okay. You sound completely fine. It, it's all good, my man. So, uh, you know, before we get into some politics, uh, sure. you're a big LeBron James fan, right? 
I am. Yes. Yes, indeed. So I saw you on because I follow you because I'm a fan of, of your work. I think you're absolutely hilarious. Uh, Thank but, you. but you had made a comment on my Facebook page uh, making the argument that you believe LeBron is the best player of all time. Do you still feel that way? I was saying that an argument, I felt like what you had written said there, there is sort of, he is definitively not. And I was saying there is a legitimate, I'm, I'm a, a lawyer also, in addition to being a comedian. So wow. I was simply saying without getting my personal feelings involved first, that there is a, he has a case. Like if, if you brought the case to court and said, here's the case for LeBron James <laughs> as the goat, there is a compelling case. I, I understand why someone would obviously say Jordan, who's usually the consensus one or Wilt Chamberlain. I saw somebody in your, I think a former player had mentioned in yeah. your, in your, yep. Paul McKenzie. That, that, yep. Right. Right. That, that, um, Milwaukee Bucks, right? Correct. Was he a buck? Correct. That's yes. pretty good. See, I know 80s and 90s, you know, <laughs> depending on how many video games you played and how many NBA Jam, baby. NBA Jam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was saying the, the like Will Chamberlain is obviously a case I think to be made for him, for Jordan, but I think LeBron also has a legitimate case. Oh, I think it's legitimate. Not, yeah, sure. I'm not going to say it's there's not a legitimate case. Uh, I just <laughs> I, I just put Michael Jordan ahead of him. That's what I think I should do though, JL. How do you think that lawsuit would go? I think I should file a lawsuit against everybody that thinks LeBron James is the best player of all time. You think I would have a chance? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, no, I, I don't. I feel like the standard would have to be, you'd have to, you wouldn't be able to come up. You can argue that Jordan is, is the guy, but I think it's not definitive enough that the LeBron fans would just have to capitulate and say, Oh no, you're right. We quit. Here's damages for all the social media trauma we've caused you by yelling at you about LeBron. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I just like to stir it up and cause controversy, but uh, no, I certainly <laughs> respect that opinion. He's certainly one of the best players of all time. And that absolutely has to be respected. And passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an incredible accomplishment and nobody could ever take that away from. So JL, I heard a rumor that you're pretty tight with uh, Donald Trump. Is that true? That is, uh, unfortunately, that is true. Mm. I, uh, Are you, having, you know, you, we, we're yeah. both longtime New Yorkers, so it's like sometimes, you know, you have a buddy in high school or college, and maybe you drift apart. Uh, yeah. One of you wants to become a tyrant, the other is just a humble comedian, but, you know, you remember your roots together uh, growing up. So <laughs> fair enough. Uh, is, is the rumor true that you're actually having lunch with him right now? Can you put him on the phone? Oh, I can put him. I can. Yeah, no, I can definitely put him on the phone. Okay. If you just give me a second. He's just getting thirds. Oh, he the, is. Uh, That's not a surprise. All right. Well, if, let me know. Let yeah. me know when he's sitting down. Is he sitting down next to you? Yeah. Oh, here he is. OK, oh, I got you. him. Mr. President, uh, it is an honor to have you on with us right now, sir. Uh, first of all, I know you've been very outspoken about Nikki Haley uh, announcing her presidency the other day, Mr. President. What can you tell us about Nikki Haley and what are your thoughts on her running for president? Uh, well, I can tell you that Nikki Haley is sort of, I used to like her. You know, she used to be somebody, you know, she always called me sir and she was so happy to work for me. You never saw somebody so happy. And you know, she's Indian. She doesn't talk about that a lot, but she's Indian. And not like the native, you know, casino that we would sort of respect. You know, she's, we actually have to look into her to see if she was even born here. She might have been, excuse me, she might have been born here and that's okay. You know, but you have to be careful because we once had, you may know, a guy named Hussein Obama and he wasn't born here and we got a total catastrophe and a total, a really disaster for our country. <laughs> but Haley, you know, 
I think of her like Haley's Comet. You want to see her like once every 90 years and then say bye-bye. But she wants to stick around. She wants to run for president. I think she's auditioning for vice president because she knows that we had a traitor, Mike Pence, who's not going to be on the ticket. I think she wants to show that she showed us strong, you know, because Mike Pence was so weak. You saw how weak he was. January 6th, he just said, yes, Sleepy Joe, become president. It's okay by me. I think Haley wants to show like sort of like she's standing up to me. You know, like she's tough. And then she's going to say, sir, can I please be your vice president? And I said, well, darling, that's going to be tough because Carrie Lake has already promised uh, very, if I can say this with respect, very powerful Arizona sex in exchange for being put on the ticket. So Haley is not really my type, but she's going to have to come with a very strong offer, you know, if she wants to be on the ticket. But you know, I don't think it's a smart move for her to run, but I only think she's doing it to sort of impress me. You know, you know how like sometimes you insult a woman or a woman insults you and says, you know, like a woman once said to me, oh, you're so fat and disgusting. I hate you. Well, that woman's name was melatonin and she became my wife. So she was trying to, they call it negging. Okay. And it's not a racial slur, by the way. Some people will say, oh, sir, that's racist. No, no, negging. Not the, I usually say a different one, but this time I'm just saying negging. And I think that's what Haley's doing. She's trying to say, oh, look, I'm going up against you, sir, to make me respect her. So we don't like her, but we could like her. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Mr. President, speaking of uh, your wife, you know, I've heard rumors that uh, your wife, Melania, right? Speaking of you like sports, you like sports, right? Uh, I I do. I do. I I do. Well, there was a great philosopher who also played in the NBA. His name was... Caramel Anthony, I think you know him. And he once said words that I think were so beautiful. He said, my wife is married, I'm not. <laughs> and I thought that's you know, sort of like we put that on the Trump family crest because we thought that was such such powerful wisdom. But no, okay, excuse me, you were, you were asking about... Uh, I heard rumors, sorry, wife. Mr. President. I, I've heard rumors that, you know, you haven't slept in the same bed as your wife in quite some time. Is there any truth to that, sir? I know there's, there's truth to that. Um, but it's not because, you know, people want to make that like it's a fight, right? They want to make it seem like, no, we have a great relationship. Uh, it's just, she just likes her space. And I have very late meetings with Russian and Brazilian diplomats in, you know, late at night. And we have very long meetings and we talk about things that would not, you know, not be the type of stuff that my wife mashed potatoes would, would like to hear <laughs> mashed potatoes. Wow. I never heard you say that about characterize that about your wife. That's, that's shocking, sir. Um, what, what, what was, oh, no, you... that was that was her name. I was saying, I was saying her name. Oh, okay. Mashed potatoes. Understood. Uh, what, 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 Mr. President, can you talk to me a little bit about Ron DeSantis? Because I know you've talked about him in the past. Um, and I know your friend, J.L. Calvin, who's a, a brilliant comic, by the way, has also talked a lot about Ron DeSantis and his white boots. And so have you, what do you make Mr. President? about Ron DeSantis, do you, do you think he can beat you? Ron DeSantis, we call him Ron, well, we're trying out Ron Disloyal. We've tested Ron DeSanctimonious, and a lot of my supporters said, I, I don't know what that is, but hopefully there's a cure for it. <laughs> so Ron Disloyal, we helped him out so strongly. He has no charisma. He has a voice that sounds like 
if cottage cheese scratched a chalkboard. Very sour, very disgusting. And what we're basically looking at is he's disloyal, he has no charisma, and I made him governor. He was going to lose. He was going to lose like a dog. They were going to call him Dog DeSantis, not the bounty hunter, by the way. And he would have lost like a dog. And he won. And he was very thankful at the time. But then some people talked to him and they said, Ron, you should run for president. And by the way, put on these Dallas Cowboy cheerleader boots. So he should know that these people are not advising him well. But, you know, people get arrogant. You know, they get help from their president. And then all of a sudden they think they can do it themselves. So I think he's in for a rude awakening, all five foot four, 305 pounds of him (laughs) when he gets on the debate stage with me. You know, it's sort of what he's dealing with. You know how Olympic boxers, you know, they wear the the helmets. They wear like the the safety helmets. Mm -hmm. But then when you become a pro... They take the safety helmets off and you get strong concussions and possibly death. Well, right now, the Florida primary was like he had a nice safe helmet called Trump endorsement. And he thought it was going to be so easy. And now when he gets on the debate stage with me, he's going to say, oh, I don't have the protective helmet. And Donald J. Trump is destroying me like Mike Tyson in his prime. <laughs> wow. Well, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Mr. President, before I let you go, um, I know you are uh, sitting next to your very good friend, J.L. Calvin, a very funny comic. But before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Is there anything else that uh, uh, I haven't already asked you that you'd like to share with the, your prospective voters here in Las Vegas, Nevada? Well, we have great respect for Las Vegas. In fact, I've had casinos everywhere. They actually had to close down because they said I was too successful. That all the other casinos, you says, Steve Wynn, by the way, he said to me, sir, please don't open any more casinos. I'm losing money. You're too strong at it. So I want to just say that Las Vegas and the whole state of Nevada should just say, thank you, sir. And we're going to vote for you in 2024 because if you had stayed in the casino business, all our other casinos would have failed like dogs. <laughs> Fair enough, Mr. President. It's been uh, it's been an honor speaking with you. If you could put uh, your very close friend, comedian Jail Calvin, back on the line, that'd be great. Thank you. Oh, hey, hey, hey Jail. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, can I can I ask, like, how long does it take you, Jail, to do an impersonation? Because I know that's not the only one you do, but you're very good at it. Like, like, how often do you have to practice that to to, to perfect it? Well, I think the Trump one is sort of unique because I started doing a Trump one. Like usually sometimes it's it's the kind of thing where I know pretty early whether I can do whether I'm in, in, in the, the, the area code of mm-hmm. it. Like there's some like like a Joe Biden, for instance, is just not something I can do. Right. Um, but then a lot of the impressions you just go, oh, I think I can get that. I'll have to practice. But I think that's like in the in the range. If I watch more video, if I just modulate my voice a little bit i can get it with trump it was weird because trump i started doing him in 2014 and in hindsight it was terrible but at the time it sounded decent Mm -hmm. and i think part of that is because even my own trump impersonation has gone through sort of a couple of evolutions because he when he first started running for president if you look back at videos he had a very rapid new york delivery his voice wasn't Mm -hmm. as hoarse because he wasn't giving all these speeches and he's aged also. So now, you know, he went from almost 
I like John McCain if he wasn't captured. How about that? How about, he's a hero. He's a hero. Excuse me. He's a hero. He's a hero. Why? Right, because he got captured. <laughs> now, that was him when he was just kind of running, trying to build his brand in right. 2015, 2016. Right. But as the presidency wore on, as he got older, you know, obviously the rallies, he yells and he goes, how about that? How about that? But when he's took a 60 minutes interview, I feel like my, my impression is sort of best at sort of, we're just sitting, excuse me. No, that's not what they're doing. They're actually, they're actually cheering for me out there because they love their president. And I know that sleepy Joe, we call him the trust. He's a trespasser in chief. You should write that. You won't write that though. You won't write that. No, this is fake news media. No, they don't want to say that. And so it's more, and there's a lot of sniffing and, and a lot of, so he's, you know, he's, he's morphed. So I've had to adjust the impression, um, throughout time. And I feel like it, you know, that's, I know there's people who do maybe a better rally Trump or whatever, but my, I think my zone is Trump trying to be thoughtful in an interview, Trump. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. I, I actually like that. I think, I think that's great. Uh, Joe Dominico is, is, is another great comic and, and he's been on the show from time to time as well. But I, I, I love a good Trump impersonation. It, it's just, it's just awesome, but it's not just about the impersonation. You also have to be funny, right? And, and you're very good at that. Um, are there, uh, like, I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times, but some of the comics that you grew up watching that you kind of emulated growing up? Oh, I mean, my, my favorite, I can give you just sort of my, my personal Mount Rushmore, sure. who've had probably the most influence on me at different times, you know, before I started comedy and then as a comedian, Chris Rock is my all-time favorite. Yep. Um, you know, Bring the Pain to me is just, it's like, that's my... That's my, uh, in your world, that's my Michael Jordan. In my world, I might call that my LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> I got you. And All then right. the next two are both deceased, uh, Greg Giraldo and oh. Patrice O'Neill. You sure? Sure. And, and Giraldo being a former lawyer turned comedian, right. you know, I'm, I'm so a lawyer comedian. So yeah. that's, you know, biographically also uh, mm-hmm. kind of an affinity for that. And then my fourth is a, a guy named Gary Goleman, who, uh, not sure if you're familiar or not, but he's just... He's he's had like HBO and Netflix specials, so he's no he's not like a he's maybe not as big as the first three guys I mentioned, but he's right. he's just one of the best that's yeah. that's out there today. Yeah. And a very nice guy. <laughs> yeah, those are some good ones. I, I saw Greg Giraldo several times uh, a year before he died. Uh, phenomenal talent. I love Chris Rock. Since you are a Chris Rock fan, I have to ask you about this. Uh, what did you yes. What did you make of your profession when a guy like a Will Smith gets up there and and does what he did to Chris Rock? And then, you know, we've seen what happened to Dave Chappelle. He could have been killed. Um, You know, has that ever come close to happening to you where somebody you felt threatened or somebody came close to the stage? Has that ever happened to you before? No. And the the crazy thing about me that you can't tell from this small screen, I'm six, seven, uh, (laughs) two eighty. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, So here's the thing I know. 99% of people will not charge the stage and I'm no fighter. I'm not some tough guy, but it's, there's a natural deterrent to being the largest person in the room. But I also know this, if someone does charge the stage, they're either drunk, armed, or crazy. And all those are reasons why I'll go, I'm going to the green room immediately. Like, in other words, 
In other words, I know there's probably something dangerous or wrong about right. the person who looks at me and says, I'm going to attack him. <laughs> but like you do a lot of, you, well, I didn't know you were that, that big. Yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with you either, but uh, <laughs> like you do a lot of Trump stuff, which is hilarious. I love it by the way, but I would imagine at some of your shows, there are some magas in the crowd that might not like it. Maybe they don't have a sense of humor, which I find absurd. I want people to make fun of Democrats and Republicans, Joe Biden right. and Trump. You know, I'm one of those guys. I don't want just one side, but like, do you find that there maybe are some magas out there that are, that are, are not laughing at some of your Trump jokes and mocking him? Yes. And I, and I've, I have actually found it both ways because obviously when my impressions blew up, I attracted a more, more of a left-leaning crowd. I am left-leaning, but like, you know, 90% of the people who followed me were sort of left or progressive. And I remember making a joke about Joe Biden on Twitter, pretty, pretty tame. I just said, you know, how he's always, he was always mentioning Bo Biden, his deceased son. <laughs> right. And I just simply said, you think Hunter is ever like, I get it, dad. I'm not your favorite son. <laughs> that's funny. And it's true. That's funny. And that's, and that, yeah, it's funny. It's kind of true. And it's yeah. pretty tame. It's pretty like, it's a joke. Right. It's not like I you're making fun of Bo dying. I mean, like, you know, that would yeah, might be a little. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. The joke is not about Bo. Right. <laughs> right. And I had just an immediate stream of followers going, and these are people who've been watching my videos for at this point, like eight months and loving us. This is disgusting. Unfollowing block. And I'm like, what? That's why so, they give Republicans some bait to say wokeness, because that's the definition of wokeness right there. Right. Yeah. And but as far as your, your question, I'm just using that to demonstrate I've had issues on both sides when right. I try to just be a comedian. Because the odd thing is the MAGA people, if they put politics aside, probably enjoy the sort of irreverent, sort of true stand-up comedian stuff that I do. Right. And it's the people who love my impressions because I'm attacking the right that tend to like shrink from my actual stand-up. Yes. But I've done shows in front of MAGA crowds, and I have some sort of built-in techniques to win them over. Like if they start booing or yelling at me, I simply go... Oh, wow. I didn't realize you guys were doing cancel culture. I thought that was our side. Like you're, <laughs> you're booing me over a joke. I didn't realize you were so soft. I thought you guys were the hardcore say what you want. And then that kind of gets them to back off. And then we have a good time because I'm not there to attack the crowd regardless of their politics. But I had one crowd in Long Island. I've, I've won over many crowds, but I had this one crowd in Long Island. And I think it was because the crowd was sort of 50 50 in terms of the politics that they didn't want to concede anything. So it was like when I did a crowd that was like 90% MAGA, I could almost play the, Hey, I'm just here trying to tell jokes. And then they realized they're in like, they're in their home turf. So they could concede a little ground to me, mm -hmm. but in a 50, 50 crowd, the ego and the, Oh, well, I don't like the people who are cheering for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to like, let it go. Mm -hmm. I, I walked my last show in Long Island. I walked about 25 people out of about 200 um, really all because my only joke, it was, a, it wasn't even like hardcore Trump stuff because the guy said his, his, he said that Trump was the best president in American history. Oh, geez. And I said, better than Roosevelt, better than, better than Lincoln. And he said, yeah, although you could throw Reagan in there. And then I joked with them and said, um, I used crude language, but I said, okay, sir, fair enough. He's the best. But let me ask you a question yeah. since you put Reagan in there. If you had to orally please one president <laughs> trump, or, trump or reagan who would it be for all the, for all the money who would it be and they started booing me and calling me an idiot and That's i was like hilarious. i mean we're just 
<laughs> We're just telling jokes here. What What is the problem? Uh, by the way, especially, I, I don't want to uh, like put people in a category, but I guess I will here. For people that are the ultra magas, are usually people who are anti-gay and homophobic. So that just made it worse for them. I think that's hilarious, but it's true, right? The ultra magas must have hated that. What Did he respond at all? It would have been great if he actually gave an answer. Did he respond at all? It, it would have been, but no, they were they were sort of, they checked out, like, like multiple tables just kind of checked out at that point. And the funny thing is my camera was recording my set behind them so I could really pick up for 30 minutes, this was like 35 minutes into a 55 minute set. Yeah. I am killing for 30, 30 minutes. Yeah. As soon as that came up, as soon as that, and I didn't do any of my most vicious Trump stuff because I was not looking to, yeah. I just want people to laugh. I know right. where I was performing. I, I have plenty of material to work on. From that moment on, you could just hear people going like, this guy's an idiot. He sucks. And I'm like, everybody's been laughing for a half hour. <laughs> Except the magas. I'm a terrible comedian. You know what? If I'm you asked me that, comedy. if you asked me that question, I would have said, oh, I, do I have to choose? I'd rather perform oral on both. And everybody would have laughed. And then right. we keep going. And uh, these, they, they, Why do you go to a, com this gets me so angry. Why do you go to a comedy show and be serious and be offended at JL? I just don't get it. I, and I think the thing is that much like patriotism, and religion and other things that sort of the right in the country seems to like believe that are, are just part of their brand and by necessity, not part of the left. I feel like the snowflake thing and the woke thing is like a weapon that, that is only used one way. They think it's their weapon to accuse the left of. Right. But it's like, but sometimes you go to a show and a comedian who you've been laughing at for a half hour makes a crack about Trump. And then you go, we're leaving. How are you not doing the exact same thing? Yeah, and I'll admit, I, I admit to people, I say, if I were to tell you who causes me more problems in terms of shutting down if they don't like a joke, it's left of center people. It's right. more often them. But it's not exclusively them. them. It's like this idea that everybody on the right is just screaming free speech and like never gets offended by anything is ridiculous. No, complete, <laughs> completely ridiculous. And they're hypocrites. And I don't think you said anything wrong. In fact, I think it's absolutely hilarious. I probably would have pissed my pants because it sounds like it would have been very entertaining. Here's my question. When are you coming out to Vegas, man? When are you going to do a show out here? I'm always trying to get booked, but it's, it's, to be honest, it's, it's, it's not the easiest with, I have no agent or no manager. So everything uh, is, is, is mom and pop shop here. So yeah. I, I'm at the whim of whoever returns my emails. Well, you know what, basically. my man, I know a lot of people who run comedy clubs here uh, in town and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot you some of those contacts because I want to see you performing uh, in Vegas. I promise you that if you do some of that Trump material here, you will not have any problems. Okay. People like Trump jokes around here and, you know, Steve Hofstetter, who, who I think is another brilliant comic he comes to town all the time he's a liberal comic i mean he just rags I know, I, I know, I know Steve. yeah he's a great guy and 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 uh you know i i see you in some even though he's not an impersonator like you are some of your material right. like him it, it's hilarious and it's political and i i absolutely love it you have to be able to laugh on both sides my man uh and uh yeah i'd love to see you come out here don't you have a gig coming up in boston am i wrong on that 
You are correct. Yeah. March 3rd at City Winery in Boston. I've been there Thank before. You. I grew up in Connecticut, and uh, I, I used to spend a lot of time in Boston. And, uh, oh, nice. and yeah. I'm in Fairfield, Connecticut on March 5th. Oh, Fairfield's, <laughs> Fairfield's pretty nice, too. Uh, a lot of people are uh, from New York uh, live, in, live in that area. Fairfield's great. So, well, you know what, my friend? Uh, one of these days, we're going to get you out here to Vegas. You're extremely funny, awesome. extremely funny and talented. Please tell your friend, Donald Trump, uh, I said uh, thanks for joining us as well, okay? I will. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, JL. You're the best, my friend. Have a good one. Bye. All right. That is uh, JL Calvin. Very funny guy. Um, <laughs> so I'm just imagining being in a comedy club and this guy, JL Calvin, obviously he's, you know, he's a, probably a Democrat and he's making funny jokes and he's ragging on Donald Trump. And this guy gets up and says, Donald Trump is the best president of all time. Maybe Reagan. I'm just picturing this. I'm picturing this guy who probably lives in in middle america who's a you know a maga fan and all that stuff and then jl says okay well let me ask you a question then let's try to narrow this down who would you rather perform oral to ronald reagan or donald trump <laughs> to a to a far right republican that is the worst question you can ask them because number one many of them don't have a sense of humor and number two a lot of them are homophobic so it puts them in the worst possible spot ever as opposed to somebody like me that would make a joke and say, well, I'd, I'd perform on both of them. You know, it's just, I don't know. I just think that's a brilliant response. Anyway, I appreciate uh, JL joining us on the show. All right. We have a bigger controversy surrounding William Hill. It's not the app going down. It's not the fact that the sports books were down. It's not the fact that they weren't able to pay customers. That's bad enough. But now we have a new scandal that has broken here in the last few hours, and it is mesmerizing. If you're wondering what that is, we are going to talk about it next. And it has nothing to do with books being shut down or the app being shut down. Folks, you're not going to believe it. We'll take a quick break, and we'll talk about that coming up next. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, 
car accident treatment and work injuries, you name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Uh, programming note, tomorrow on the show, uh, the very lavishly-looking uh, hotshot attorney Thomas Moskal will be joining us in studio, uh, the former DA here at Clark County. Plenty of uh, topics to get to with him. Uh, somebody just was uh, executed, got the death penalty, I believe, this week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm going to get into Chris Beard a little bit now on the show, but uh, before I do that, uh, I want to uh, talk to you guys a little bit about William Hill again. Now, I, I mentioned uh, the William Hill Sports app a little bit earlier uh, in the show. Those of you that are unaware, the William Hill app went down uh, after the Super Bowl. Uh, sports bettors weren't allowed to uh, collect their bets because the books were down. It took like 48 hours to pay everybody, which is absurd. But now there's another scandal. And before I get to the Chris Beard situation, I want to talk a little bit about this. There's another scandal involving William Hill that has been silent until now that I wanted to share with all of you, and it involves the Nevada Gaming Control Board. Nevada Gaming Control Board, they have their own detectives, as you know, and detectives uh, have recently interrupted an embezzlement scheme where employees of the sports betting company William Hill apparently altered kiosks at locations across Las Vegas to steal money. Shravran Singh and Paige Steiner are each facing charges in connection with this alleged scheme, according to documents. Steiner faces 290 charges. According to the website, William Hill operates more than 100 race and sports books in Nevada. Uh, they, uh, Caesars Entertainment just purchased William Hill for $4 billion back in 2021. This is a company... That has a lot of money. Detectives believe that the employees completed fraudulent cash adjustments on 166 separate dates, totaling the nearly 3,000 separate instances. 3,000. The company then terminated this guy Singh on January 19th. Uh, They defrauded the company for at least $70,000. This comes at a time when William Hill, their, all their sports books went down for 48 hours. They couldn't pay people. The phone app went down. It just went back up yesterday. This company has lost so much credibility. It's just unbelievable now. Caesars purchased it again for $4 billion back a few years ago in 2021. As you know, William Hill, you know, they operate these, these betting kiosks. I mean, sports betting is pretty much legal across the country now. Um, but yeah, pretty, uh, Pretty tough stuff. I wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Beard. If you don't know who Chris Beard is, uh, pretty good college basketball coach who who coached at Texas, and he's coached at Texas Tech. He, he's had a number of different jobs, and he's very uh, very successful head basketball coach. Um, so Chris Beard 
was let go from his job at Texas because of uh, being charged with domestic violence in regards to, I believe, his fiance or wife. Well, University of Texas fired Chris Beard before even um, he was convicted of a crime. Now, they're allowed to do that, but this is a very complex story. Now, it's very interesting because since Chris Beard was lost his job, uh, his wife has come forward and said, well, listen, this was self-defense. I never told police that he strangled me, so on and so forth. So this is a very complex situation because now they have dropped the charges. The DA out there has dropped the charges on former Texas college basketball coach Chris Beard. But what makes this story uh, interesting is that uh, Chris Beard's still out of a job. So it leads me to this. Now, here's what I think happened. Here's what I think happened in this Chris Beard situation. What I think happened is I believe Chris Beard did act completely inappropriately. I believe he did put his hands on his wife. He probably did strangle her. There were bruises on her body, according to the police report. So I do believe he roughed her up. But the reason why he's not getting prosecuted is they don't have enough evidence to prove that it was, uh, wasn't or was self-defense. And now the wife has come forward, which is the big deal and says, I don't, I never wanted him prosecuted and it was self-defense. So the DA probably says, well, it's going to be really hard to prosecute this guy because we don't have any witnesses and the wife is the only witness. And now she's claiming that it was self-defense and he didn't do anything wrong. But the University of Texas has still fired Chris Beard for cause. And I guess in the contract, they're allowed to do that if they feel that any type of behavior is detrimental towards uh, the university and and not representing the university. That's exactly what happened here. But it sets an interesting precedence, right, for college basketball coaches and really anybody. You don't have to be convicted of a crime. You could just be charged of a crime and it could still affect your job security and it could affect your job. In this case, Chris Beard has since been fired. So, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about this. You could give me a call at 702-221-7283. And again, um, if you want to be a part of the conversation, uh, you can feel free to uh, give me a call. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. We're talking about uh, Chris Beard and uh, the fact that he was not convicted of a crime and the charges were dismissed but he's still not uh the head coach at university of texas he's been fired with cause and he's not uh receiving any money so i find that to be uh interesting i don't feel bad for chris beard i certainly don't uh i don't feel bad for chris beard but uh you know he doesn't have a job now so we'll take some calls there 702-221-7283 again that number 702-221-7283 uh, is the number to call. And, and again, like I said, I find that uh, a little interesting, the fact that um, Chris Beard is no longer the uh, head coach at Texas, but he really hasn't been uh, charged. I, I shouldn't say charged. He hasn't been convicted of a crime. Um, I find that to be a little bit problematic. Um, I don't know how you guys think out there. 702-221-7283. Went to the UNLV game uh, the other night. Didn't really have a chance to talk about it. We had Michelle Mortensen in studio yesterday, which was fun. Uh, I don't do a lot of sports with Michelle, so I'm going to uh, address this right now when it comes to UNLV basketball. Um, as far as UNLV basketball is concerned, uh, they should never be at the bottom of the barrel in the Mountain West Conference. That's the case in where UNLV basketball is at right now. And I praised Kevin Kruger. 
because I thought last year he did a pretty good job under the circumstances. He also had some professional talent in uh, Hamilton and Williams. Those are two professional basketball players. If they're not NBA players, they're playing professional basketball somewhere. So the other night they were playing San Jose State. And San Jose State is not what I would call a powerhouse, uh, but they have a very good coach and coach Tim Miles. And San Jose State was one of the worst college basketball teams in the country a couple of years ago. And Tim Miles now has them respectable, winning half their games in the Mountain West Conference and having a winning record. So Miles is a good coach. San Jose State's not a very good basketball team. UNLV just came off of um, losing to Fresno State at home. They lost to San Diego State. That's not a bad loss, but they lost to Fresno State twice. Fresno State's not a good basketball team. Neither is San Jose State, and they come to town, and UNLV loses, and, and and for the most part, we're not in control the entire game San Jose State was. I like Kevin Kruger, and I think Kevin Kruger uh, is, is an easy guy to root for. He's a good dude. I, I don't have a problem with him personally. I like Kevin. Kevin came on the show the other day. I think he's a nice guy, and he's a good coach. Uh, well, for the most part, but... That that good is 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 having me scratch my scratch my head a little bit and say to myself, all right, well, he's underachieved with this team this year. There's no question that um Kevin Kruger has underachieved uh with the UNLV basketball program. I don't think that's uh I don't think that's for debate. Um I like Kevin. He's a good guy. I love his father, Lon. Lon's a great guy. And uh, it's unfortunate that, but I, I think the problem lies with a couple different things. First of all, Kevin's inexperienced. Kevin's only been a head coach now. This is only his second year. And I, it doesn't matter who his father is. Kevin is inexperienced. And I think his inexperience is showing a little bit. I will also say that a bigger issue with Kevin Kruger is recruiting or lack thereof. Kevin has not done a very good job recruiting. And, you know, I look at teams like a San Jose State or a Fresno State, Colorado State, ahead of UNLV in the Mountain West Conference standings. And I got to tell you, folks, that is inexcusable. He didn't do a great job recruiting and he's not winning basketball games. And it appears as though, I hope I'm wrong, but it certainly appears as though with what, a couple weeks left to go in the regular season that UNLV is most likely going to be in the play-in game in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. That is inexcusable. So the question, and I think it's a fair one, that has to come up is this. If Kevin loses in the play-in game of the Mountain West Conference, does he come back next year? Now, here's my opinion. My opinion is I think you need to give Kevin another year. Uh, he lost two of his top assistants last year. That certainly hurt recruiting. Uh, and I don't think one bad year is enough to say, okay, take a hike. He deserves another year, in my opinion. Now, next year, if there's no vast improvement, then I think you got to let him go. Harper, our athletic director, is a no-nonsense guy. We're not talking about Desiree Reed-Francois. We're not talking about Tina Kunzer-Murphy. We're talking about a guy, uh, Harper, who, uh, in my estimation anyway, is a no-nonsense guy. You look at what he did with Arroyo, which I believe, by the way, was the right decision. Um, but in this situation... I personally believe that you got to give him one more year. And listen, some of you guys might disagree with me, and, and that's fine. And, and I'll open up the phone lines now. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you think Kevin Kruger's on the hot seat? 
What do you think? Do you think Kevin's on the hot seat? Do you think um, if he loses in the playing game of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, do you think that uh, he needs to uh, go? Or, or do you agree with me that, you know, we got to give him one more year? All right, here's the number. 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. Let's go to Fernando. Fernando, what's up, man? Hey, Brian. Um, with Chris Beard, um, you've seen him coach on the many times. I'm, I'm sure in person. Sure. Or on TV. Mm-hmm. And he's out of control sometimes, okay? Yeah. Would you agree with that? Um, out of control as far as what, just his antics on the sidelines? Yeah, yelling, screaming, and I don't have a pro- like fool. You know what? I don't have a problem with that because some of those yellers and screamers are some of the best basketball coaches of all time. I mean, I, I had dinner last night with Larry Eustace. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Phenomenal coach. Uh, I don't think a, a, a screamer and a yeller has to equate to domestic violence. I'm sure you'd agree with that, right? Right. Yeah, it's totally separate. But um, I hope um, this was his wife or his girlfriend. I hope she gets away from him because you know what? Those guys do it again. They repeat they're yeah, as bad as Steve. Yeah, I don't. I and don't. I, and yeah, I hear you. I hear you. He'll be okay. He's made millions of dollars in the past. What ten years he's been coaching, mm-hmm. and um, I think um, the next school to hire him, if he gets hired, has to you know put more um, stipulations in his contract. Agree. And, Agree. Um, Agree. He's, so, he's, yeah. he's, a good, he's a good coach, but he's not a great, great coach. He's a good coach. So you're with me and you're not buying what his, his fiance is saying. And, and you do believe that he probably strangled her and, uh, roughed her up. You, you agree with me on that? Yeah, the evidence shows she had marks on her throat and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, hope, no, listen, I'm on your side. Yeah, but unfortunately, okay, I think, I, unfortunately, I think what happened here is, you know, Beard has lost tens of millions of dollars, probably rightfully so, even though we, the charges were dropped. They probably have made amends with one another for for maybe financial reasons. Who knows? And she, it's very difficult to prosecute somebody on domestic violence if, in fact, the uh, person who was abused, in this case, her, her, uh, his fiance mm-hmm. does not wants the charges mm-hmm. dropped. It's very difficult. There's no other witnesses there. Yeah, I know. It's unfortunate. Okay, and with the rebels, yep, currently in what eighth place? Yeah, it's pathetic. Eleven teams. It's, it's pathetic. And um, and um, I think after this year, you got to give uh, Coach Kruger one more one more chance at it. Sure. This will be his third year coming up, and then yep. see what happens after that because we're going through coaches like. Crazy, left and right. And, and you know what? Okay, You're right. Thanks, yeah. Fernando. I appreciate the call, Fernando. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. And and uh, Fernando's right. We agree. Give him one more year. But when you look at where the women's program is at, Coach LaRock is done. They're a top 25 team in the country. And when you look where the men's program is at, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum right now. And I think that also hurts, Kevin, when you look at the success of the women's program. Very happy for them. And then, you know, a new UNLV football coach. And I think Odom's, uh, I think Odom is going to turn things around. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, the men's basketball program is in uh, not a very good place right now. And I, I feel bad for Kevin. I really do. Uh, 702-221-7283. Talking about Chris Beard. The charges have been dropped. Do you think he should coach again? We're also talking a little UNLV hoops. Let's go to Zach. Zach is next on Pushing the Limits. What's up, Zach? Yes, I think that Kevin Kruger should be fired. And the main reason why is because nine of the 11 head coaches in the Mountain West have been to the NCAA tournament. Kruger, and Hudson are the only ones who haven't, and they're yeah. and and I and like Kevin Kruger, I rank him dead dead last among head coaches. Zach, you make a good point because. You know, Hudson, by the way, is also on the hot seat. And the rumors that I've heard that Hudson is probably going to be fired at the end of the year. 
I think you make a very valid point. There are a lot of good coaches in the Mountain West. You look at what Alfred has done. Nevada was supposed to be where UNLV is at. Alfred's done a pretty good job. You look at the Utah State coach there. He's done a fine job. Uh, Patino, I mean, New Mexico's not great, but they're certainly much improved. I think what Tim Miles has done, the former Colorado State and Nebraska coach, what he's done with this San Jose State team and turning them around with not a lot of a talent, uh, Miles has done a phenomenal job. We know Leon Rice is always up there at the top, and, and you know how I feel about Dutch over at San San Diego State. Listen, you're absolutely right. One thing I will say about this conference, they have some good coaches, and uh, I'm not sure right now I would put Kevin in that category, sadly. Right, Zach? Yeah, yeah. UNLV needs to go out. They need to hire someone good. I think someone who's attainable, uh, maybe if they could get his wife a good job and and treat him better than uh, Patino's wife is Russell Turner (laughs) at uh, UC Irvine. The problem here that we have, Zach, uh, well, first of all, it's money. They had a chance to get Patino. I guarantee you, if they went after Patino, he would have been the head coach. He's at Iona now. Give me a break. Of course he would have taken this job. They they blew that one. Uh, this is another Desiree Reed Francois, young and up. Listen, I like Kevin Kruger. I never liked Coach Arroyo. He was pompous. I did, never liked him. I like Kevin. I've known Kevin for years. I believe him to be a good dude. Um, it's It's not personal for me. It's just, you know, Zach, he's not getting the job done. Let's just call it for what it is. Uh, and I also didn't like the decision of the lack of uh, teams that he played out of conference schedule this year. I thought that was also a bad decision. I think it's a mixture of things, Zach. I think it's a mixture of maybe not being a great leader, not being a great head coach, maybe not being a great recruiter. I don't think he's done a good job recruiting. And I think you mix those two things together, you're eighth in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, and uh, last thing I'll say is that Kevin Kruger essentially thought he could come in and, and be like Eric Musselman and just recruit like all all transfers and make it work. But Eric Musselman's a former NBA head, head coach, and he's got a lot of coaches, but it's the first time that coach is not going to succeed doing that. You're right, and I love Eric Musselman. I know that, uh, you know, Dave Rice probably isn't a big fan. He lasted as an assistant for one year uh, over there when he was at Nevada. Uh, Musselman turned around the Nevada program. Musselman is doing a great job now. Musselman is a really, really good coach, and he's tough, just like his father was. Musselman is a good coach, and... um you know, listen, uh, I, I do believe you have to give Kevin one more year. I don't know how you feel about that. I guess I'll ask you that before I let you go. Do you believe, even if Kevin Kruger is in the Mountain West Conference playing game, and even if he loses, let's just say worst-case scenario, Zach, he loses to Air Force in the playing game of the Mountain West Conference, do you do you believe he deserves to come back one more year, or do you think Harper should let him go right right at the end of the year? Uh, I think I think I think that that should be it because I mean that 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 proves that he's 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 not going to get it done and and like if someone cannot get it done it doesn't matter if you give him like three years four years mm-hmm. a thousand years they're they're never going to get it done. All right, well, hey Zach, you're not the only one that feels that way, brother. So I appreciate your opinion. I appreciate you calling in, Zach. Good to hear from you, and uh, uh, we hope that doesn't happen, Zach. But listen, I understand why somebody like you would say that. I'm not going to say that's a ridiculous take because it's not. Me personally, and it's not because I like Kevin, uh, I think you got to give him one more year. Well, you don't have to. That's just my opinion. If I'll put it to you this way. If they do decide to fire him, and I'm not sure that Harper will do that, I think he will probably give him one more year. But if Harper does pull the trigger and fire him, you better have somebody else ready to go. You better have a name. You better have somebody that's been a head coach before that's had some success. Um, you better have somebody waiting. 
I my personal feeling is that I do not think that will happen. They can lose every game the rest of the year. Uh, I don't think that Harper is going to pull the trigger and fire him. I think they're going to give uh, Kevin Kruger one more year. Hey, I could be wrong. I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised when they fired uh, Arroyo. I was happy they fired Arroyo. Good riddance. I thought it was the right fire. I thought it was a good decision. I I, I kind of like the Odom hire. I think he's going to do okay. I, I think he gets it. Um, but it's not that Kevin doesn't get it. It's not that he doesn't bleed Rebel Red. It's not that he doesn't care. It's not that he's not good with the media because he is. Uh, there are a lot of opposites to Coach Arroyo, even though it's a different sport. Kevin doesn't walk around being Mr. Pompous. He doesn't walk around thinking he's the best like Arroyo did. Um, it's not a personal thing, and it's not the way Kevin acts. I think he's a class act. It's just the fact that you're not getting results. I mean, you know, and I think of the the, the days of Dave Rice, right? Dave Rice was a really bad head coach. And then people say, oh, well, he recruited great. No, he didn't. You want to know who the people that recruited? It wasn't Stacey Ogman. It was Ryan Miller and Todd Simon. They recruited 95% of the NBA talent that they had over there. Wasn't Dave Rice. Dave Rice didn't recruit, and he's not a good head coach. If Dave Rice was a really good head coach, he'd be a head coach somewhere right now. He's not. He's not. Nice guy. Never, never said anything personally. I never would about because he's Dave Rice and he's got a beautiful, nice family and he's a super nice guy. Not a good head coach. Menzies, terrible job here. Don't like him personally. Don't like the guy at all. Same thing with TJ Altsberger. I know what you're going to say about TJ. Oh, he's killing it out there at Iowa State. Okay, let's give him some time. I personally don't think that TJ Otzberger is a great basketball coach, but you could also say, well, look at the, look at the last year and a half he's had. Look at what he's done at Iowa State. Well, you'd be right. He's, he's done very well. He's had a lot of success. Let's see where TJ's at two or three years from now. I don't think the success is going to continue. We will see. Usually with, with coaches that I don't think are very good, time is not on their side. So we'll see about TJ. This is year two for Kevin Kruger. And I know it didn't help that some of his assistants left. I thought that was a big blow, but you got to find a way to do a better job recruiting. I'm sorry. They just don't have the talent that they had last year. That uh, They don't have the talent, and uh, the offense just looks terrible. Um, now that they're getting scouted, uh, where does the offense come from? I mean, it, it looked really bad against San Jose State the other day. It looked terrible against Fresno. And um, I know I asked Kevin this question in the press conference the other day. I said, forget about the X's and O's. I said, what about effort? And, you know, Kevin gave me the answer of, you know, it's not really effort. Uh, but I got to tell you, man, they look tired out there in these second halves of these games. They look tired against San Jose State. They look tired in the second half against Fresno State. They just don't look good. And the effort is not there like it was the first month of the year. Even if you're playing against teams that are not very good, uh, you and all these effort on the glass... And uh, it just, it, it, everything, the effort was there. It's just not there now. And it couldn't come at a worse time because we're now approaching March. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, hey, v- VGK in action tonight. I'll be checking out that game at T-Mobile. And uh, tomorrow on the program, uh, we will be having uh, the former DA of Clark County, Attorney Thomas Moskal, will be joining us in studio. Plenty of topics to get to with Thomas Moskal. Oh my God, there's so much to catch up with him. It's unbelievable. I ask that you all follow me on social media. That's the best thing you can do for me if you enjoy the show. My TikTok is exploding, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that's right. So check me out on TikTok, PTL Vegas. Check me out on YouTube, which is the PTL Vegas fan page, PTL Vegas. F- follow me on Twitter, <laughs> excuse me, which is uh, Pushing Limits LV. 
And I uh, hope everybody has a great afternoon out there. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, play in the same place. Have a great day, everybody. Get your drum. I make you smell like ocean.